Welcome to the Archives of Legend and Lore. I am the KIGM, and every week I will bring a monster, humanoid, aberration, or some other being to the gaming table, and put it in the spotlight, so to say. We'll discuss some of the lore, the differences in additions, and possible ways to use them in your one-shot or campaign. For the month of October, we shall look into the various monsters associated with movies and horror tales. I have released a module for Halloween titled Pagoria's Plight. It is pay what you want or even free for your enjoyment at the DM's Guild. Or for a small price on my Etsy store, you can get it with the second edition Dungeons & Dragons version also. For the fifth and final installment of our October Chaos Fun, you'd better cover your neck. We will bite off a piece of lore with vampires. Don't go batty. The sun is going down and our topic is rising. We'll start with story time. This week, I submit for your approval, Inner Reflections. I hope you enjoy. How long had it been? Was it eight, maybe 900 years of this existence? Not dead, not alive, just being. Sure, at first it was fun. The par was intoxicating. He could have what he wanted, anything, all for his taking. No one refused the Red Baron. He had a name once, but over the years he had misplaced it, chose to forget it. It was a thing from another life, another person. That person had died when his heart had stopped beating, the curse taking its hold. He yearned to be dead, to end this existence. He'd let the heroes that always come for him kill him, time and time again. But he always awoke sometime later in his coffin. He burnt the coffin once, but he only found himself laying in the ashes the next time. It was sad. That coffin was ancient and so well made. He had killed the crafter that made it and used his blood to wax the wood with. His castle, once glorious and grand, now crumbled around him. Flags and banners flow in the wind. He can see them like they once were, colorful satin and silk, now just tatters and wisps blowing in the breeze. The ceiling in the great hall had collapsed. Maybe a hundred years ago, the oak tables and ironwood chairs would collapse under the weight of even a mouse now. Silver chalices and fine plates still littered the area. The chapel had caught fire. Had he set it? His mind can't quite recall. He cared not to have it repaired or rebuilt. The castle must turn to ash and dust, like he so once himself. There is one place, one of the towers that, by spell or curse, was still pristine. Sure, the stone was dirty and had vines covering most of it, but the wood did not rot and the door held strong. He never went there. He doesn't remember quite why. He just remembers he didn't like it. Something radiated from it. He looked at it now as he walked to the old throne room. The night was long and the sun would rise soon. The throne room was also in tatters, but the stone throne still stood. The ceiling was gone, as was the front of the room. The throne faced the gaping hole to the east. He pulled the cork from a very fine wine. At least he thought so. His taste was gone for everything except blood. Picking up a goblet from the floor, he filled it with wine and threw the bottle. It shattered on the wall, the red liquor washing the wall and pulling on the floor. This was it, the last thing he could think of to end his agony. Sitting in the throne, he sipped the wine. The sky was changing colors and started to brighten. How long had it been since he saw the sunrise? Felt the warmth of it on his skin. Hopefully, he could feel it again for one final time. The first rays of light started breaking the horizon and touching him. With eyes closed, he took a deep breath and felt the warmth. Memories flitting into his mind. Fall time in the leaves with the golden rays of sun illuminating them. Winter when the sun could barely warm you. Spring when the sun brought forth sprouts in the coming year's harvest. Summer when the sun could get so hot, so unbearably hot. 
like molten metal on the flesh. The smell of burnt hair and intense heat enveloped him. He opened his eyes, and as his body started turning to dust, he saw the sun with his eyes again. So bright, a smile crossed his lips, and then darkness, nothing but darkness. He opened his eyes to the familiar stone room. He lay in cold earth, facing the ceiling. He yelled, a scream that seemed to go on forever. He had tried everything. Nothing could kill him, not a stake to the heart, nor garlic, not holy water, not an exorcism. He even tried having his organs removed and then buried in the four corners of the earth. Nothing, and now the sun had left him to this misery. He laid there for a week, maybe a month, and finally rolled over to get up. Getting to the courtyard, he saw that a lot more of the castle had fallen and crumbled away. He must have slumbered for a long time, so the sun couldn't kill him, but he didn't come back that quick either. That is when he saw the tower, that damn tower. It wouldn't age, just like him. He stood there, staring at the tower. How could he have not seen it before? The only two things not aging were him and that tower. It must have a secret. It seemed like it took forever to walk to the door, and when he looked up, a light was on in the top of the tower. As his hand reached out, he touches the door. Pain surges through him, and a vision breaks into his mind. A lovely lady is walking across the courtyard. The cobblestone is white and glorious. The plants around the area are bright and fragrant. She is walking right up to him, and through him, into the door and up the staircase. He can smell her perfume. It is intoxicating, and her fiery red hair, it's so familiar to him. A flash of light, and he's back. The tower door lays open before him. The smell of her perfume is still in the air. Making his way in the door and up the stairs, he is still somewhat lost in the vision he had. At the top, another door is closed in front of him. Touching it, pain, a flash of light, the girl opens the door and walks in. The room has tables full of flowers and plants. Archways lead out into balconies that have more plants on them. She heads to the table. It has alchemist tubes and bottles on it. The smells coming from them remind him of her perfume. That's it. She uses the flowers and plants to make perfumes and soaps. He remembers, but why does he remember? Who is she? He looks up, and she's standing in front of a mirror. The mirror has a silver border of ivy curling around it. She brushes her hair. Lost in the moment, he jumps when a voice talks right in his ear. Are you sure you want to remember? After all these years, you have finally come back. This is what you want then? The voice says. Turning quickly, nothing is there. Are you here or there? He motions to the girl in the vision. I am both. Do you want to remember? Remember her? Remember yourself? It questions. Yes, I am here for an ending. The Red Baron responds. This is the beginning and the ending. A loud crack and the vision changes. It's the same room, but he can hear voices shouting. Someone is running up the stairs. The woman bursts in the room, her hair a mess. Scratches on her arms and face. More voices can be heard, shouts from the stairs. She goes over the mirror, putting her hand on the surface, looking in the mirror, but her eyes seem to lock with the barons in the reflection. My love, I will never leave you. Our love will last. Remember your heart. Don't let rage consume you. They know not what they do. She kisses the mirror just as the door is forced open. Men run into the room. There is the witch. Turning, she cuts her hand on the mirror and her blood runs down its silver ivy. She backs away into the balcony. The men press in on her, chains and clubs in their hands. The girl misses the step leaning on the small balcony, stumbles, and hits the rail. She slips over the edge, plummeting to the rocks below. 
The men hurry out of the room and down to where she fell. They drag her body to the chapel and in through the front doors. A few moments after the men run out, the building is engulfed in flames. Hatred and rage fill the Baron up. His claws and fangs are out. He stands there, pumping his fists. The bloodlust is almost overtaking him. The voice breaks his slip into rage. Not now. Remember, it's the past, and you were just a visitor. Her name was Raven. The Baron interrupts. Good. Your memory's coming back. Let's go forward to your entrance. The lighting in the room changes. It's darker, colder. An angry voice is heard, but the words can't be made out. Someone is running up the stairs. Walter walks through the door and falls to his knees. He stares at the blood on the floor by the mirror. It leads to the balcony. He rises up and walks to the balcony. The plants are torn from the edge and a bloody handprint is on the rail. The cobblestones at the base of the tower are stained and cracked from a force hitting them. The chapel still smolders. Walter walks to the mirror and runs his hand on the opposite side of where her blood was, slicing his palm and letting his own blood run down the silver ivy. He's engulfed in anger and hatred. He walks to the balcony facing the town down the hill. Walter screams towards the town. You have taken my future, the only thing I loved in this world. I care not your reasoning and I shall have vengeance. I will be the thing that haunts your nightmares. I will take all that you have and want and love away from you. As Walter wipes his bloody hand on the tower, the sun completely is blocked, and he clips. In the town below, the people hear his screams, and as he finishes, the sun disappears. They run for their homes, the bad omen and the yell frightening them. Walter throws himself from the tower, landing on the wrought iron spikes lining one of the walls. And you were born. In Walter's death, the vengeance brought you here, the voice says as the vision fades. The Baron looks at the room for the first time. Dead plants lay withered and rotten on the tables. The mirror still stands where it was. The room hasn't been touched since the vision. He walks over to the mirror. He sees Walter's blood, Raven's blood, and a smear where she kissed the mirror. Looking into it, he sees a reflection. For the first time that he can remember, he sees a reflection. Not quite, though. It seems to move on its own. It is I, the voice you have heard. I am your reflection, trapped here since you made the decree. When you died, I stayed, waiting until the day that you would want to remember in return. Go to the balcony Walter jumped off from, and look. He walked over as instructed. There on the wrought iron spikes was a skeleton, still dangling where it fell all those years ago. Why did they do it? She, she was all I ever had, all I ever wanted. She had healed a girl that was almost dead from the village. They branded her a witch for using her potions and believed the girl damned. The evil in the heart of men comes to full bloom when they are scared. Now are you ready to end this? For the first time since he could remember, the Baron wept. I do. What must I do to make amends? You know what to do. You always have. You just weren't ready. The Baron gently took the mirror from its stand and carried it down the tower's steps. He kept walking down into the crypts, his family crypt, to a room with an empty sarcophagus made from white ivory. He leaned the mirror against it. He went to the wall and gathered up Walter's remains, returning and placing them inside the sarcophagus. He walked to the doorway of the chapel. There, in the center of the room, mixed with rotted, burnt timbers and stone, lay a skeleton. The bones were broken and twisted. He gently collected them and placed them in the finest wood box he could find. He carried the box down to the crypt and placed them next to his. One last thing to do. He carefully picked up the mirror and placed it inside with the remains. The Baron started to slide the lid in place, but stopped a moment. 
In the mirror, he could now see Walter and Raven embracing each other in a reunion long overdue. The lid slid into place and a warm breeze started in the crypt. The Red Baron looked down at his arm and the flesh started flaking off into dust. Walter, the Red Baron, could finally rest in peace. 5th edition's introduction, Awaken to an Endless Night, Vampires hunger for the life they have lost and sate it by drinking the blood of the living. Vampires abhor sunlight, for its touch burns them. They never cast shadows or reflections, and any vampire wishing to move unnoticed among the living keeps to the darkness and far from reflective surfaces. Vampires remain bound to its coffin, crypt, or gravesite, where it must rest by day. If a vampire didn't receive a formal burial, it must lie beneath a foot of earth at the place of its transition to undeath. A vampire can move its place of burial by transporting its coffin or a significant amount of grave dirt to another location. Some vampires set up multiple resting places this way. Most of a vampire's victims become vampire spawn, a ravenous creature with a vampire's hunger for blood, but under the control of the vampire that created them. If a true vampire allows a spawn to draw blood from its own body, the spawn transforms into a true vampire no longer under its master's control. Few vampires are willing to relinquish their control in this manner. Vampires spawn become free-willed when their creator dies. A vampire chooses a grand, yet defensible location for its lair, such as a castle, fortified manor, or walled abbey. It hides its coffin in an underground crypt or vault guarded by vampire spawn or other loyal creatures of the night. You know, like slugs, because they come out at night. And are fearsome beasts. Second edition follows more of a movie vampire law and lore. Vampires cast no reflection in the glass, cast no shadows, and move in complete silence. Moving silently through the night, vampires prey upon the living without mercy or compassion. Unless deep underground, they must return to the coffins in which they pass the daylight hours. And even in the former case, they must occasionally return to such rest, for their powers renew by contact with soil from their graves. One aspect that makes the vampire far more fearful than many of its undead kindred is its appearance. Unlike other undead creatures, the vampire can easily pass among normal men without drawing attention to itself. In many cases, a vampire's true nature is revealed only when it attacks. Vampires live in areas of death and desolation, where they will not be reminded of the lives they had left behind. Ruined castles or chapels and large cemeteries are popular lairs for them, as are sites of great tragedies or battles. Vampires often feel a strong attachment to specific areas with such morbid significance, like the grave of a suicide or the site of a murder. Pathfinder's vampires can inflict their curse upon any creature whose blood they drink. Practically, any living monster can become one of these undead horrors. Vampires are creatures of strange and unknowable compulsions. A typical vampire can't voluntarily cross running water unless it is transported while it hides within its coffin, nor can it enter a private dwelling unless invited by someone with the authority to do so. A vampire can't voluntarily come within 10 feet of a brandished garlic or a brandished religious symbol of a non-evil deity. A wooden stake driven through the vampire's heart kills a vampire and prevents it from healing, even in its coffin. Due to their supernatural aversion to light, vampires don't cast shadows or show reflection in mirrors. Okay, it's time to take a bite of chaos and get our imaginations pumping. It's Chaos Creative Corner time. Scenario 1 Let's alter the story for the first one. The adventurers answer a posted call for help or come to a land to rid it of the vampire. When they come to attack the vampire, he just says, yeah, go ahead and kill me. I'll be back in a few days. Maybe they kill him a few times. He doesn't resist and finally they 
decide maybe they'll try and save him. He tells them he has no memory of his time before being a vampire, but knows this ruined and burnt castle is his home. His true body is stuck on the walls on a wrought iron spike. The adventurers can get the visions when they go to the one place that is in good condition, the tower. They can find the body of his love, Raven, and they can even have a chat with Walter, the vampire's inner reflection from the mirror. He can tell them about the remains and how they must be placed in the crypt to free Walter. Re-listen to the story if you need more details. Scenario 2 This is a good one to run when one of your players is going to be absent. One of the adventures, through alcohol or just pure coercion, left in last night with a beautiful woman. Come morning, he still hasn't returned. The group asks around and that lady lives in the keep up on top of the hill. The adventurers take the long and winding path up to the keep, because you know it's never just like right around the corner. The place is exquisite. Flowers and fruit trees surround the area, but they don't see anybody outside the keep. They go to the closed doors and knock. A young lady comes to the door. She invites them in. Yes, their friend did come, and he did stay the night. She escorts them to a plush room with fruit and meat trays galore. She excuses herself to go get the man they seek. She has gone for some time, and the lost adventurer comes strolling in the room. He's wearing a satin robe with a high collar. He says his hellos and informs them that he's going to stay here for a while. The keep's owner has invited him for an extended visit. You guessed it. She's a vampire, and he is bitten and smitten. You can play it out how you like it. They force him to leave, which, of course, she will come after him, you know, once it's dark out. They can try to slay her. That would free him, too. Or if the player sucks, they can leave him there to die or become a vampire, and the missing player will have to re-roll. It's up to you. Have fun with it. Scenario 3 For the final scenario, the adventurers are transported to a land surrounded by fog and death. We'll call it, uh, Morovia. Yeah. It is ruled by a tyrant vampire named, um, Strid. He's searching for his lost... What? Oh, you've heard this before? <laughs> okay, you got me. It's the Curse of Strahd, or Ravenloft. Get them, and run them. Hands down for some of the best vampire fun you and your adventurers will have. So, for my scenario three, I'm just telling you, get those. Well, let's put a stake in this episode because it's done. I hope you enjoyed our time hanging out in the Chaos Sphere. I know I did. Please feel free to share this with anyone you think might enjoy it too. Also, I got my tickets online to Akatacon 2020. So you might see me at an event or two there. This year, due to the things going on, it's going to be online. I'll leave a link to their website in the details or you can type it in yourself, akadecon.com. That's A-C-A-D-E-C-O-N.com. I hope to see you there. And remember, if you truly are chaotic, your players will never know what you'll throw at them next.